have a plastic canvas nativity set. And for those of you who do not know the magic of plastic canvas, it is there on the screens. It is plastic yarn kind of sculptures. I don't know how to explain it except look at the picture. Um, They are very able to be played with and moved around, and many adventures are had in my house as Mary and Joseph have made their way across the living room to the stable. The shepherds are still across the room in the fields, and almost daily my daughter has asked me if it's time for them to go to the manger yet. Now, baby Jesus, who looks like this, is uh, not actually in the manger because it's not Christmas yet, so he doesn't get to go there until Christmas. And because we are nothing but accurate in my household, he is actually tucked inside of the plastic canvas (laughs) Mary. We are, again, nothing if not accurate. So... As we were playing one day, as, you know, Pastor and her kid are to do, uh, my daughter looked at me and said, You know, Mom, Jesus did not have to be born. He could have just appeared. But he did it. He was born. And I said, Thanks for writing my Christmas sermon, Layla. <laughs> it's true. Jesus could have just appeared. God could have just shown up appeared as an adult, bypassing the terrible twos and the awkward teenage years, and shown up once he finally had his act together, right? But that is not how this story goes. God became flesh and dwelled with us. God entered into the entire human experience from birth to death. And so... This story of God made flesh starts as all of our stories start, with a woman. A woman who wonders what on earth God might have to do with her. A woman who doesn't quite understand why it is that she is chosen. How can this be, she asks. The angel needs to repeat that God sees her as favored because the first time the angel says it, she doesn't quite buy it. And I think we all can understand Mary here. As we enter into this holy night and prepare to experience the power of God being born into the world again, we also wonder, what does God want from me on this night? Can God even possibly use me? Now the angel tells her just what this little baby is going to do, and in doing so makes Mary, this young, unmarried woman, the first person to hear the good news of Christmas. What a scandalous beginning that God would choose this young, unmarried woman without a voice or without power in the world and ask her to do the most important, impossible thing, to be a God-bearer for the sake of the world. And you know what? She says yes. She didn't have to. I firmly believe she could have said no and God would have found another way. But she says yes to growing and birthing and nursing and nurturing God. She says yes. She says yes knowing that this is going to change everything. She says yes and gets up and sings a song of this new kingdom the baby is bringing to all the people in the whole world with him. She says, here I am, servant of the Lord. Let it be with me according to your word. 
she says, yes, and it is the most holy and most important yes the world has ever heard. So the good news of God coming to be with us begins with Mary. But Mary's yes is not where it stops. There's a 13th century theologian, Meister Eichert. He once said, what good is it that Christ was born in a stable over 2,000 years ago if he is not also born in me? We are all meant to be God-bearers like Mary because God is always needing to be born into this world. God is always needing to be born. And this is where this story continues because God needs to be born in you. God looks on you this evening and calls you highly favored and maybe has to say it twice because maybe you also don't buy it the first time. And God looks at you and says, I want you to be a part of my story in this world. Tonight we have the chance to join with Mary in our own holy yes. Yes, we get to be God-bearers to a world that desperately needs Emmanuel, God with us, yet again. See, Mary's yes changed the world, and so can yours. Here I am. Let it be with me according to your word. There have to be rules, and rules have to be followed. Law and order, that's what we want. It's true internationally. It's true in our country. It's true in our state, in our city, in our schools, in our churches, in our homes, in our hearts. But justice, righteousness, this is another matter altogether. Righteousness is so much more than following the rules. And it's much harder to reach for. And I know it's not very Christmassy talk at all. But if it were determined that Mary had been unfaithful to Joseph after they were betrothed, the law stated, good order demanded, that she could be stoned to death. You don't have to let your imagination run long to picture the horror of a group of people surrounding a helpless individual in order to stone her to death. That is what the law called for. But get this. Joseph, being a righteous man and willing to expose, unwilling to expose Mary to public disgrace, planned to dismiss her quietly. That one verse, that one sentence tells you everything you need to know about Joseph. He was known to be a righteous man, a righteous man which is another way of saying that Joseph lived his entire life according to the traditions, the precepts of his faith tradition. It takes a lifetime to build the reputation of being a righteous person. And very few people are able to attain that reputation. But that is the reputation that Joseph have had built for himself. It's right here in the Holy Scriptures. 
but he was about to throw that all away. Who Joseph was in his own little hometown was about to change forever. He was even going to release Mary from her vows in order that she might not be shamed or harmed. Joseph had to be scared. Do not be afraid, the angel said to Joseph. Oh, Joseph, and don't change your wedding plans either. Sometimes God throws out the rule book. Sometimes you are righteous because God Almighty says so. So birth announcements are usually done a certain way. If you've ever waited for a friend or family member to have a baby, you know that as it gets closer to the due date, you start checking social media more and looking at your phone, just waiting for the announcement, right? You want to be the first one to get a glimpse of that new baby. And yet in these announcements, there is a set order of things, an order of who gets the good news first, right? The rule is family first, in particular grandparents first, right? Then close friends, then maybe social media or a mailing with the cute baby picture and the day and all that stuff on it, right? Well, baby Jesus did not have the typical birth announcement. This baby got a chorus of angels surrounded by the glory of the Lord, which I'm not sure exactly what that is, but it sounds loud and very bright. And there are rules. So obviously these angels showed up at Mary and Joseph's parents' homes, right? No. Grandparents need to be the first to know, but these grandparents did not get to be the first to know. I'm sure their subsequent holiday gatherings were very awkward and uncomfortable. The angels do not follow the rules. The first people to hear about the good news of this baby being born, the Savior of the world, are not kings, not government leaders, not the powerful, not the wealthy, but shepherds. Now, shepherds worked with animals out in the fields all day, so they were considered dirty. In fact, in the temple they were considered ritually unclean, which is to say they were not allowed to enter the temple. And since God's presence was believed to reside in the temple, that was another way of saying they were so dirty they were not even allowed to come into the presence of God. And they knew it. They had felt their outsideness, their exclusion from all things holy for their whole lives. Now, fun fact, does anybody know what the presence of God in the temple was called? The glory of the Lord is what they called it. So on this night, the glory of the Lord, the presence of God, left the holy temple and surprised a group of sheep herders in the wilderness. Let me tell you, they did not see that coming. And really, neither did anybody else. These guys were out in the field just doing their job, and they are the first ones to hear the good news that Jesus has been born. To you is born a Savior, they hear. You, you shepherds, the ones who are on the outside and excluded and least likely to be the first to know anything, It's so upside down and backwards and beautiful. It sets up the way God will continue to work 
in the world through Jesus and beyond. God is born today for you, to you, to all of you. In fact, that you that is used is plural, so it means everyone. And the angels say this good news of great joy is not just for the shepherds, but to all people. Today is born to you a Savior. Now, the fact that it comes to the shepherds tells us for whom the Savior has come. To you who don't expect it. To you who think you don't deserve it. To you who are on the outside. To you who don't think this kind of good news is ever for you, maybe because it has never really felt like it was for you before, you are in good company with the shepherds tonight. Hear me when I say, to you the Savior is born. You. Now the angels look at these terrified shepherds and say, so go find him. Go find this little baby. God left the place God was supposed to be and found these shepherds, but also told them to get moving. Go see the baby. Now the shepherds know they definitely can't go hang out. There's totally a kid. Go see the baby, you guys, right there. We just had it. Now the shepherds know they definitely can't go hang out with this new king because they're shepherds, right? They're not allowed to hang out in places where kings reside, like temples and castles. But again, that's not how this new king and kingdom operate. And again, God makes it so clear. This will be a sign for you, the angel says. You will find a baby wrapped in cloth, lying in a manger. That's the sign. Not the star or the glowing barn that we always see or the little halo above the baby Jesus. That's not there. It's a baby wrapped in cloth, lying in a feeding trough. The Lord, the Messiah, God is a baby in a manger. This is the sign. God will not look like you think God will look. God will not be where you expect God to be, and God will always show up in the places where you don't think God is going to show up. That is the good news for the shepherds and for us, that this baby, this Savior is born for you, and everything is going to change. And then the sky burst into song. There were a bunch of babies born to friends and members of Prince of Peace during this past year, and uh, all of them, to my knowledge, were helped into the world by trained medical professionals in uh, clean and safe environments. Uh, Lydia, our uh, firstborn, came into the world after a very long and difficult uh, delivery uh, for my wife, Lori. Uh, I, I can remember this primarily because I remember sitting in the backyard of the parsonage that uh, we lived in out in Chester County, Pennsylvania, watching fireworks on the 4th of July over the hill. Uh, and every once in a while, Lori was having her own firework with a, a strong contraction. Uh, actually, they had started the night prior, I was reminded uh, at the earlier service. So... <laughs> 
but they just wouldn't get to the, within that five minutes apart, you know, threshold, which is where I spring into action and execute the plan to get us to the hospital on time and all of that. Well, so 3rd of July, 4th of July, Lydia's birthday is July 6th. So uh, it took a while and it was difficult. Um, and upon being born, Lydia was rushed to an entirely different hospital uh, after some complications because she needed to be in a neonatal intensive care unit. We spent uh, the first week of her life visiting with her through an oxygen tent. Uh, she's doing great now, if you know her. Uh, she sang at the earlier service, in fact, and just loved it that I was up here talking about her when she was standing over my shoulder. Uh, with the second, Clara, we barely even made it to the hospital. Uh, she was nearly born in our Pontiac minivan on the Blue Route on our way to get there. Uh, I, I had learned of the mysterious power of the epidural during the long and difficult delivery with Lydia, so I was demanding somebody bring an epidural before we were even checked in or they knew what we were doing there at the hospital uh, before Clara's birth, but there just was no time. Uh, Clara was determined to reset the statistical norm thrown out of whack by her big sister, and she was born a mere 30 minutes after I abandoned the minivan out front of the hospital. When it came time for Jesus to be born, Mary and Joseph, they had no help that we're aware of. They were certainly not surrounded by medical professionals in a safe and clean environment. They didn't even get to hear the angels that Natalia was talking about or see the glory of the Lord, whatever that is. They're in that stable a long way from home through the ordeal of birth. All they had was each other. The Christmas story reminds us that when God comes close to people, God comes first to the lonely, to the grieving, the homeless, the refugee, the orphan, the ill, the frightened, to the ones who have little going for them, those out on the margins, those who often find it hard to believe that anything's ever really going to change. And the truth is that the rest of us never get to this night. We never make it to Christmas Eve unless those folks invite us in. Come and see this thing that the Lord has done, those sheep herders would say. Emmanuel is God with us. And I'm guessing that for some of you here tonight, in this beautiful sanctuary, it brings back nostalgic feelings of earlier times when the family was closer, maybe, or when you were more connected to a community of faith, maybe a time when you felt more connected to a gracious God. You will call him Jesus, the angel said, which means God saves. He will be called Emmanuel, which means God with us. I don't know what kind of Christmas you are having this year. People say it's supposed to be a time of joy and happiness, 
of love and good cheer, and I do hope and pray that that's exactly the kind of Christmas you're having. But it's hard sometimes, we know. You may even feel surrounded by darkness. Even Bethlehem, where Jesus was born, struggles to find peace in her streets all these years later. I guess it's always been this way, really. No matter what we do to try and lighten it up, even the first Christmas was full of darkness. Mary was perplexed. Joseph was distraught. The shepherds were terrified. And soon after Jesus is born, Herod will come looking to end it all before it has a chance to get started. But Herod could not end it. Not even Pontius Pilate with his cross will be able to end it. And as soon as those shepherds make their way in from those dark fields to see for themselves, they realize that nobody's going to be able to end this. All this took place to fulfill what had been spoken by the Lord through the prophet. Look, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall name him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. If your Christmas includes some uncertainty or some grief or even some fear this year, As Natalia said, you are not alone. You share this holy night with shepherds and angels and Mary and Joseph and people all over the world who find themselves in some kind of darkness. And we are here. We are here. All of us, together, do not be afraid, for see, I bring you good news of great joy. I bring you good news, great joy, for unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. So a light shines in the darkness your darkness and nothing shall overcome this light our deliverer you are saved.